What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Now, look, I know that I'm a little bit late with the unscripted episode this week. That's because, you know, it's always usually the same case. That's because a new Marvel movie came out. No, it wasn't DC. No, it wasn't anything else. It was a new Marvel movie. Now, no, it wasn't MCU. Don't worry, it wasn't MCU. But still, it was Venom. Venom, let there be carnage. And you know I wanted to see it. I saw the first one. I enjoyed the first one. It's so campy and hokey. And, you know, you you really have to bite into the premise of that movie to really kind of, to go along. I don't know, to go along with it, hell. But look, a new one came out. I wanted to see it before I talked to y'all about the new What If episode, which, by the way, was amazing. Want to know my thoughts about Venom? Well, guess what? You got to stick around. It's the new scripted episode of Reality and Comics 2. Let's get into it. That's right. You're listening to Reality and Comics 2, the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick, but most of you know me as your mama's favorite black geek. You want some hot takes about the Real Housewives or Love Island, or maybe you just want some extra insight on the Scarlet Witch or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you're in the right place. 
grab a cocktail, sit back, and prepare to cuss and fuss right along with me. guys oh boy so i brought you this episode a little late you know i do that every now and then from time to time because a movie might come out and i might want to include that on the episode instead of doing a whole nother bonus episode because let me kind of explain my rationale behind that see if i wanted to do like a whole venom episode i'd really have to wait until like it came out so i could really like break it down scene by scene and you know just like i'm able to do like what if for instance today but i can't do that with venom because it just came out and i've only seen it one time but what i can do is give y'all my general reactions and i had a lot of them okay first of all before i really jump into it I always have a little bit of nostalgia thinking about Venom. Spider-Man had a game when we were kids on Super Nintendo. I don't know if it was Lethal Foes or what game it was. We just called it Spider-Man, okay? That game ruled our childhood, okay? Me and my cousin, okay, we had an old, it was her brother, but, you know, he was my older cousin baby, he would hold on to them games for dear life. So, like, he would go to work or like school one of them on Saturday mornings because he did uh he did he wasn't in school like I don't know what listen I don't know what the people's was doing okay I'm not quad what the people doing I didn't know what was going on okay I just knew that I wanted to play those games so before he left to wherever he was going Saturday mornings we would write a note and we would slip it under the door and we would run really really fast and if he didn't answer us we just assumed oh that meant we could play the game so. We would go in this room, we would play the game. Spider-Man was always our favorite one to play. Like, you could do the, uh, you know, if you get two enemies on both of your sides, you throw the web shooters at both directions, bring them together, pow, the big boys that you, listen, it was a game and a half, okay? And when you finally got the Venom, oh boy, oh boy, listen, I'm going to try to find that game. I still got me a, a, a old Super Nintendo around here somewhere. You know, my cousin, she has all the games. So I usually, when we do game day, I go over there. You know, we, we have a little, you know, have us a seafood boil bag. You know, eat, drink, cuss, and fuss, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll play the games over there. Because she has the, like, the GameCube, the Super Nintendo, the 64. You know, she got all the things, okay? I just give them to her. I'm like, look, keep this shit I'll play them when I come over there because I'm not going to play them by myself. So, I'll let to say, Venom, I'll never be as hard on it as I can, even though I could probably be a lot harder on both of the movies. But, I will say, if you enjoy the first one, you'll definitely like the second one. I think at least. I think you'll definitely like it and, hear me out, I think that you're guaranteed to probably enjoy it a little more. I think it was better in most aspects. Now, does that still make it a fantastic, classic comic book movie? No, it's definitely not that. I don't think any of us ever thought we were getting that. 
just because Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris in the movie, you know, these two uh, uh, Oscar caliber actors, that don't mean the shit gonna be good, okay? Now, we know that from a lot of different people. Hell, Meryl Streep done made some badass movies, but, you know, she, she, she get them Oscars, hell. But anyway, let me go ahead and get into, if you, okay, what I'll do is, because I kind of want to talk about that post credit scene, too. So what I'll do is, in the episode description, I'll put a timestamp for when I start talking about what if. So you can just jump to that if you don't want to hear about Venom yet because you haven't seen the movie. I'm assuming a lot of y'all will because my theater was pretty, it was pretty crowded. You know me, okay, let me tell y'all about my theater experience. You know, I always tell you about my theater experience. I got there a little early, which nowadays, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of hard for me to do because when I go to the movies, like I've been, this will be my third movie outing since covid so you know the first one obviously i waited all this time to see black widow in theaters so i went uh that thursday night of course before you know you know it comes out quote unquote that friday but you know i always go to thursday night to the imax to see them so black widow was the first of course my absolute fave shang chi shang chi was the second and now venom all comic book movies i don't risk my life for nobody else okay get that through your motherfucking head so, I went to see it. I actually managed to get there a little bit early somehow. I didn't get snacks this time. You know, usually I tell you, you know, I, I like me a little piece of bunch of crunch. I like me some milk duds. You know, I like the little Snickers in the back. You know, I pick some and then I usually give me a cherry Coke to go with it. You know, the <coughs> it look, it'd be a whole little mood, okay? I didn't get any of it. For some reason... I had my mouth set. There's a place here in Memphis called Gibson Donuts. I really wanted some Gibson's Donuts. So I said, you know what? That's going to be too much sweet stuff. I'm going to just wait, go to Gibson afterwards. Well, you know, and, and I'll be okay. So I didn't have any kind of sweets or anything. I literally just had my phone and my mask and I made it do what it do. Okay. Afterwards, I went and got, okay. So let me tell y'all, they have these like, bacon donuts at this place so like it's like a, a, a syrup glaze around the top and it's got like little bacon not bacon bits i was about to say bacon bits not bacon bits i don't eat shit that has bacon bits on it you got to be a nasty uh, a pathetic dirty lowdown i will not eat at your house if you eat bacon bits okay because i know you don't clean your toilet well i just know that I don't eat no bacon bits. This was like real bacon chopped up into bits is what it's what I'll say that real bacon chopped up. So they have like the donuts. I got a couple of those. You know, I like me a chocolate donut, not with the chocolate on the inside. I just like the little chocolate icing around the top. I got me a couple of caramel. You know, I got some red velvet ones, took them home, had a good ass time. Okay. We still eat on them. Don't worry about me, Savannah. I'll be okay. Now, as I said, I'll put in kind of, a, I'll, I'll give you a timestamp to it. If you want to jump, you don't want to talk about Venom. Uh, you don't want to hear about it yet because you still have to watch the movie. I'll put that timestamp in there. Feel free, jump ahead. I don't mind. Just give me, you know, give me a little bit of your time. Listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to that. I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to make this spoiler free because I do want to talk about the post credit scene, but I won't be talking about Venom long. So jump ahead if you need to, but let's go ahead and get into the movie. The movie opens up with a love story between Cletus and Shriek, a.k.a., well, I should say Carnage and Shriek, a.k.a. Cletus and Francis. It was really cool seeing 
her powers visualized in a movie form, especially in that transport van. See, when I think, <laughs> when I think of like this kind of power, because we've seen this like outside of comics in other comics, you know, we've seen like Canary, like in the DC world, we know like this kind of power. So I, it, I always think about like, for some odd reason, my baseline is uh, Sindel in the Mortal Kombat movie. I think it was Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You know, Katana Mama, okay? I, I When I think about her, like, blowing up that mountain in that movie, I was just like, you know, C+. Plus, I mean, A for effort, C plus for execution, like, whatever. But Shriek in this movie is fantastic, phenomenal. I mean, look at the actress they've got playing her. You, I mean, it, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. They said the word... I don't know if it was in the beginning. It was somewhere early in the movie, though. They said the word mute. Oh, yeah, it was in the beginning. When her and uh, Cletus were, like, communicating through the wall, they said the word mutation. As soon as they did, a lot of people in my theater, like, looked around them and like, wait a minute, bitch, you said what, you, you, what, what she had said? Like, what, what had happened did? Wait, because, you know, my mama had, like, we didn't know what was mutation. You know... For those, I've explained this on the podcast like a million times before, but for those who don't know, Marvel, the MCU it is, Disney, couldn't use the word mutant or mutation for the longest time because remember, they weren't the ones making the X-Men movie. They sold the rights to the mutants, but now they have it back. I'm going to actually, this kind of foreshadowed the ending, the post credit scene a little bit. So I'll I'll double back around to that. I'll 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 come back to that because I feel like her using that word mutation almost because she is a mutant in the comics. So I feel like it almost kind of foreshadowed what we should have expected in that post credit scene. I love the Carnage origin story that we're told in this movie. It really does kind of uh mirror the one that we see in comics you know he's born in uh what is it saint estes and you know he uh almost he well he dies at birth for a little bit comes back uh he you know he's a basically a serial killer throughout his whole adult life but as a kid he was still killing people like he pushed his grandma down the steps and you know it's a whole lot of good bullshit but they mimicked a lot of this in the movie so they really gave us kind of a clear understanding about the character itself and it really did kind of like parallel the comics the only thing that kind of really strayed away a little and not even that much because the setting and everything was pretty similar was how he actually like got the symbiote in the first place he i think in the comics him and uh eddie brock maybe were, i think they were cellmates or something and venom i think left like his offspring behind and uh, it bonded with, uh, with, uh, Cletus, child, names, I'm <laughs> it bonded with Cletus, but like in the actual movie that we see, Cletus makes Venom or Eddie so damn mad with the truth though. I mean, he didn't tell a lie. He was talking about his damn raggedy ass career and all that shit. How he mess up everything that he has going in life. He makes him so mad that Venom comes out of Eddie and actually attacks. That makes Cletus bite Eddie's finger and taste quote unquote blood, but of course it's really symbiote. He has some left on his lip. He licking it and all like that. Then he noticed it ain't really blood. It's symbiote. Bada boom, bada bam, bada bam. Later on, he becomes goddamn carnage. Eddie versus Venom in this movie 
is comedic gold. I think it's much better than the first one. I think that Tom Hardy, oh well, I think it's much better in this one than in the first one. I think that Tom Hardy truly commits to the role of Eddie Brock. I don't know how they made him have these conversations with himself so much and make it look so damn believable, but he nailed it. He is so good in this. I think it's even better than like what we saw in the first one. It, it's, it's comedic gold. I like that we get uh, a Game of Thrones reference, what I feel like is a Game of Thrones reference. They've said it's going to be a red wedding when they talked about Cletus and uh, <laughs> Cletus and Shriek. So I'd feel like it was. I'm here for it. You know, I love any kind of wedding that we get. My biggest critiques of the movie, they were just like some random, random fact that I noticed. I loved it, but I'm sure it wasn't, you know, the, the untrained ear could have caught that as well. But... The thing that kind of blew it for me with this movie, I did, I, I really like, I would probably give it a, I don't know, a strong, it'd be a good 7 out of 10, which I feel like is good. It'd be a good 7 out of 10. It was only an hour and a half long, which, I, unpopular opinion, I'm more than fine with. Goddamn, everybody want these movies to be, whoo, these movies be so goddamn long. I don't know what it, what it, I, we, it's okay to make a short movie, I promise y'all. When I find a good, like, random-ass Netflix movie, and it's like, I look and I see 88 minutes, oh, uh, baby, that's the movie of the night. I ain't got to worry about uh, falling asleep, waking back up, because I'll fall asleep, it'd be some different shit playing. I don't know what be happening in that damn movie. Then I can't find it no more. You know, Netflix, they'll take it all off the suggestions and shit. I'm not that damn. I can't never find that again. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. That's my problem, not yours. Uh, what I was saying was, the thing that really bummed me out the most, this movie, I felt like Shriek was super underutilized. And I feel like Carnage being such a huge comic book presence that he is, a one and done movie seems kind of pointless. Like, I think both of them could have been giving Eddie Brock hell for years to come. Now, it, obviously, they're not going to be, but... I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, uh, the scene at like the bell tower where it looks like he's about to drop Anne, very reminiscent of Spider-Man or no, not Spider-Man two, amazing Spider-Man two, except it worked out a whole lot better for her than it did for Emma Stone ass, but that ain't my damn business, huh? The fact, I don't I I had it written like in my little notes cause I was taking like small notes during the actual movie. I just can't believe Shriek is dead. Like that's such a, you got, Naomi Harris to be in a fucking comic book movie. Why not use her more? I feel like the character was so cool. God, Carnage was so cool too. Like this is such a good little coupling. I don't know. It, it felt like a waste to have them here and to kill them off. Maybe they'll come back in a future movie. I'll talk about that in a second. But as of right now, damn, y'all blew the best part of the movie. Shrieking. That would have been. Oh, I, I can't. Despite keeping Naomi Harris alive in the damn movie, there are some things, I mean, that would have been the obvious, obvious improvement, but there were a couple of things I did want to point out that I felt like were big improvements from the first movie. The main one being, I can understand Venom a lot more or a lot better than I can compared to the first movie. I remember being in theaters. I remember I actually took my mom to see this. Because she does, she loves Marvel movies. So anytime that, like, I plan on going by myself, I'll be like, okay, 
I usually, I've told y'all this before, but Marvel movies, I like to go by myself the first time. Then I'll go again with other people if they want to see it. I kind of just like having the, I don't know. I like, I don't like being asked questions and you know, all the kinds. I like going by my damn self. I went, I took my mom and I remember she kept asking me like, wait, what did he say? Like people are laughing. I can't understand what he said. And honestly, the first go round, I couldn't either. It felt, I don't know if it was too much like rasp in his voice or what it was, but I couldn't too much understand what the hell he was saying, but I feel like that wasn't an issue at all in the follow-up. So kudos to whoever the hell got the board on board and said, look, we got to fix this damn man voice. I don't know if they got uh, Summer Walker or Beyonce voice in Venom now. Whoever the hell it is, it sound a lot damn better. The comedic banter between Eddie and Venom is constant throughout the movie. And you know what? It could get tiresome and dull and stupid, but Tom Hardy commits so hard to this that I feel like it just works. Like it's, it feels buddy, buddy, cop, cop, buddy, cop, buddy, cop a lot of the times, but I feel like that kind of works for this kind of movie. You don't know whether it's a buddy cop comedy. You don't know if it's a, a Marvel superhero flick. It just kind of, it works. I don't know. It, it, it works only the way that a movie like Venom can. Okay, let's just go ahead and get to what you want to talk about. The post, or should I say mid-credit scene. There was only one. There was no post-credit, only a mid-credit scene. Eddie, Venom, they're on vacation. They're in the hotel room. They're talking and talking, and Venom is talking about how he's been, you know, around in the universe for millions of years. And, you know, they're having some kind of conversation, and Venom offers to let him see like what he's talking about, what all he's been through and all this kind of stuff. It looks like this goes through. It looks like he's about to actually show him, but something like happens in that moment and they wake up and, you know, Venom's like, no, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. And the TV turns on. It's fucking J. Jonah Jameson, the same J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons, that we know from all of the other Spider-Man movies here announcing the identity of Peter Parker as Spider-Man, being played by none other than Tom Holland. Y'all, multi-fucking-verse confirmed. Multi-verse confirmed. My theater went nuts. Everybody went freaking crazy. Now, does this mean we'll get a Venom appearance in No Way Home? I don't know. I don't know what it means, but what I do know is is that now this means that Andrew Garfield and, uh, ooh, Chad, what's that boy's name? Uh, uh, Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Both of them could possibly appear in this movie. You know, we all, we're all under the assumption anyway that they're going to appear, but both of them keep denying it so much that I'm starting to believe them. But no, if now you've confirmed that the other, like Venom is in the multiverse, you gotta put both of them, both of the other Spider-Mans that we know. Matter of fact, put Miles Morales in that motherfucker too. I know he only animation right now, but put him in there. Like, who gives a damn? I want all of the shits, okay? Maybe this is gonna lead to a big, you know, what if crossover. Maybe Miles Morales go appear in the finale of what if. I don't know. Ooh, I just thought of that. I ain't heard nobody else say that shit. Now, y'all y'all heard it from me first. If you hear anybody else say that, they stole it from me. That's some cold shit. I don't know if it's going to happen. All I know is this movie 
is worth seeing because of the mid credit scene alone. Go see it. You got to experience it. That is amazing. That means so many things are opening up because now not just the Sony like Spider-Man movies, you know, that would be all three of Tobey Maguire's movies, both of Andrew Garfield's movies. And of course, you know, we know Tom Holland's in the MCU, so those two. But the Venom movies as well. That means that maybe, just maybe, the Fox movies, especially now that they got the rights back to the X-Men, I don't know, maybe we might get some, you know, mutant appearances in No Way Home or whatever movie, you know, talks about the multiverse and brings the multiverse in the forefront. I can't even talk. I'm so, like, I'm so happy about everything that happened in this movie, okay? I need... If I need, I don't know. I need a new trailer. I don't even know what movie comes out after Spider-Man No Way Home, but whatever the fuck it is, I want it right now. I want it right now, damn it. What is the next movie after Spider-Man No Way Home? It's something that comes out in 2022. What is it? It's definitely Doctor Strange in the, multi, in the, multi, in the multiverse of madness. God damn it, I can't say multiverse today. I don't know what's going on. But let me see. We get Kamala Khan. I think before that, that's confirmed early 2022 now. So I'm guessing that'll be January. It won't be after Doctor Strange. Oh, I wonder what, I don't know if any other like non-MCU movies are coming out though. Like, I don't know when Morbius is supposed to come out. I don't know any of that shit, but all I know is the world just blew the fuck up i don't know i'm just i can't even i can't even rant and rave about it anymore i'm just happy go see venom 2 let there be carnage so that you can experience that mid-credit scene because it's worth it for the price of admission alone any mcu fan just like y'all are supposed to be watching what if on disney plus right now are you looking for a cheap way to support your favorite content creator? You know who I'm talking about, the content creator that you happen to be listening to now. Yes, guess what? I'm on Buy Me A Coffee, or in my case, Buy Me A Beer, okay? Go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash realitycomics2, the number two this time. Yeah, they said it was too long, yada, 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 whatever. Listen. I work hard to put out these two podcast episodes every single week to run the Instagram account, to do the polls, the stories, the uh, 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 everything else in between. Any support that you guys give me, I always appreciate. So if you're tired of uh, me constantly soliciting uh, ratings and reviews, then just buy me a coffee. I love you for it. Mwah! of what if let's get into it this hands down probably my favorite episode of the season i i've been really loving what if i love the zombies episode i loved uh the t'challa star lord episode like i feel like the stakes get raised with every single episode i've loved so many of them i love the dr strange episode i loved uh the i said zombies didn't i i said zombies did i say zombies yeah I've, I've loved all, I feel like it gets raised a little more every single time. Like, it gets pretty morbid, <laughs> but, you know, even still. I Probably my f- least favorite of the season, probably the Thor 
episode. The only thing that I really liked about it was that we got Thor fighting Captain Marvel. And I feel like live action, that would look freaking amazing. And I kind of want to see that scene just because of how, like, ridiculously powered they are. And Captain Marvel being, like, the the OG, uh, OP <laughs> character there is in the MCU. I'd love to see that. With that being said, let me jump into this episode because there's a lot to unpack. Phenomenal episode. It set up, it did what it needed to do. All penultimate episodes should get you excited for the finale. And that's exactly what this episode did. We get a different take on the Avengers Age of Ultron movie, which is basically similar. It's basically similar to the Age of Ultron comics in a lot of different ways. Basically, Ultron wins. <laughs> Uatu the Watcher, he warns us ahead of time that of all of the stories he's told, this one breaks his heart. We cut to Natasha and, you know, aka Black Widow, in Russia, driving a motorcycle away from some of Ultron's flying robots, similar to the ones that uh, were helping him kind of conquer everything in the movie. She's communicating with someone, and it turns out to be, of course, Clint Barton, aka Hawkeye. Except he's got like this janky ass metal arm. He's supposed to be a fake ass winter soldier, except that that ain't vibranium, okay? Shuri didn't make that shit. Io didn't approve of that. Okoye ain't got nothing to do with that. T'Challa said, my name Bennett and I ain't in it. So don't blame them on that uh, raggedy ass junkyard dumpster diving ass arm that he had, okay? And he's got that same like Ronin haircut that he had in Avengers Endgame. I know a lot of people love that, but I hated that haircut on Jeremy Renner so much. I hated it. It, it felt like it felt like a man of a particular age trying way too hard. Now I know you. I, I had to pick my words very carefully there. It felt like a man of a particular age trying way too hard. That's what it felt like. What is cool though is that he had like this kind of invisibility cloak. So he's like kicking ass left and right. He popping up. Peekaboo, guess who? Pow, you dead motherfucker. Peekaboo, guess who? Pow, you dead motherfucker. Uppercut. Uh, arrow to the thigh. You know, it's cool. I like the invisibility cloak. They're trying to kill all of these robots before the Ultron Hive, as they refer to it, is alerted, is alerted of their location, which of course is Russia. Uatu steps in at this point and he lets us know how we got here. Here being like the fate of the universe relying on Black Widow and Hawkeye. Ain't that some shit? He goes back to Tony wanting, you know, we've heard this so many times in the MCU. Tony wants to build a suit of armor around the world. And how he used like the Mind Stone to create Ultron. But Ultron, on the other hand, he wanted to wipe out all of existence. This pretty much is in keeping with the theme of the first movie, you know, Age of Ultron, where they created Vision so Ultron could have like this organic body of his own. Then we learned that the Nexus event, you know, every episode I try to tell y'all what the Nexus event is based on, you know, the Loki TV series. They tell us basically in our world, the Avengers, if you remember, they stole that cradle that Vision's body was in and then Thor stood on top of it. And he did his storm, you know, Aurora Monroe magic, and he used the lightning, and he pow, 
breathed life right into uh, Vision in a body, and he created a hero. In this world, though, Ultron got his wish, and he got his body. You know, Nick Minaj said, new body. You ain't fuck Nicky, you fuck the old body. You, he got him a new body, so he ain't got no bodies, technically. <laughs> Get into it. So he starts basically showing out, obliterating life on all the planets, and, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. And once again, for like the 19th time, we see Tony Stark die. I mean, damn, like since Endgame and What If, like we've seen Tony die, I don't know how many damn times. Like, we, uh, damn, I, I feel bad for the diehard Iron Man fans. Thankfully, I was a cap boy, okay? <laughs> I fuck with the Captain America, the Sam Wilsons and the, the Steve Rogers that I'm used to. I didn't. I was never just a diehard Iron Man fan, but, I mean, I get it. Even me, I'm like, damn, Tony, you dead again? Anyway, not my business, okay? Marvel, I'm not in y'all business. I don't get in rich white people business. Ultron launches nuclear missiles all across the globe and wiped out almost all of life. Remember, Hawkeye and Natasha at this point, they were up in a Quinjet. And this was like a nuclear attack. So like all the missiles were hitting Earth, literally wiping out everybody. But since they were in the air, they didn't get killed. This episode had a lot of best moments. But the first one, in my opinion, is seeing Thanos emerge from like his little, you know, self-created portal that he uses like with the Infinity Stones. He emerges with five of the Infinity Stones. The sixth one, of course, being in Ultron slash Vision's head. Ultron notices the stones, compliments them, and then proceeds to quickly, and I mean quickly, quickly, like in a nanosecond, split Thanos in two by firing like a really quick beam from the Mind Stone. Now, Ultron, he's the most powerful being alive on Earth, everywhere, all of the damn multiverses, all of the universes. He's the most powerful thing because he now has all six Infinity Stones and he's smarter than a motherfucker. Now, he sees everything, including other worlds, worlds that quote-unquote need him. We see him go to Asgard and he wipes out all of them. Poor Frigga, poor Heimdall. We see him go to the Sovereign and he wipes out all of them. Poor Aisha. Oh. Remember, they're like that golden species that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. They hired the Guardians to like help protect them from someone. But of course, you know, they got double crossed and yada, yada, yada. Funny enough, though, we actually do see the Guardians on this planet fighting fighting the attack from uh from Ultron, but of course they asses get obliterated real quick, so I guess that's why we relying on damn Natasha and Clint to save our lives, child. He wipes out uh Sakar, where the Grand Master lives, you know, from Ragnarok. He wipes out Ego, the living planet. Child, I be forgetting that, you know, they be changing shit in the movies. Though I honestly don't really mind. You know, I don't get I let Marvel change anything, child. I don't really give a damn. I read the comics and I watch the movies. Hell, I don't care. And he tries to wipe out Xandar, home of the Nova Corps. Now, y'all know them from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And if you read the comics, obviously, you know Nova. The Nova Corps in comics, like, can't catch a fucking break. And neither can the one in uh, the What If series either, I guess. Suddenly, before he gets a chance, my good sis, my homegirl, 
my best good form of Miss Marvel. Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel shows up and blasts Ultron's ass to hell. I mean, she is beating his ever-loving ass, dragging him all the way to hell to be with Beelzebub, okay? Yeah, you better come on, Captain Marvel. She pushes him all the way, like literally to the core of the planet, like pushes him all the way down there before he says, you have spirit, and blows the planet up without a single thought. Damn. Oh, Carol. See, you almost killed Thanos with them six infinity stones, but... Child, I guess not Ultron. Ultron is a whole nother beast. This is when Ultron realizes that his mission is now complete. The Watcher starts talking to us, the audience, about him, Ultron, Vision, bruh, now being a program without a purpose. As he's giving this speech, though, you can see, like, the look on Ultron's face becoming kind of curious, very suspicious, very like watchful, like his eyebrow raises and everything. He's like, what, what, like what was said? Like, you know, and then he finally goes, who said that? The watcher is caught all the way off guard because he's never been like spoken to by anyone except Dr. Strange at this point. And now Ultron is realizing that there are universes beyond the one that he's in, which means absolute peril for the rest of the multiverse. Just so y'all know, too, this is kind of in keeping with the comics. This is something like we know this as uh, cosmic awareness. It's when a character has like a a heightened, like, I don't know, heightened is kind of a bad word. It was almost like God level awareness of everything that could happen across the universe. Like, it's almost like you become one with the universe. So it feels like they didn't say the words, but it kind of feels like. Ultron, now that not only he's conquered that entire universe, now that he realizes other multiverses are out there, and now that he can like feel the Watcher's presence, it feels like he's reached that kind of level of cosmic awareness. Uatu is shocked. He's never seen this before. Now he's concerned about the fate of the multiverse, not just this universe, the multiverse. But he's not giving up. Because there's one last hope. Child. Guess who it is. It ain't even Hope Van Dyne, bitch. It ain't the Wasp. It's Natasha and Clint asses. Ooh, like, damn. I mean, the, the Hope can't be somebody with, a, like, a little piece of power. Like, you know, shoot beams out their hand like Carol Danvers. It got not just arrows and guns. I mean, damn, I guess like if I beggars can't be choosers, but yes, the fuck I can. We cut to them and they're in what looks like the same shield location as Nick Fury and Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel. Y'all know I love me some Captain Marvel. It looks pretty identical. And I thought it was the exact same place until I remembered they were actually in Russia. So obviously this is KGB. They look, you know, they 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 know the answers that they're looking for are in this KGB archive somewhere, and they basically just have to pick a box and look, and look, and look, because this is a big-ass archive room, so they're going to be at this forever. And they go all over this damn archive room looking and looking and looking. Finally, 
they make it to an aisle where Natasha finds Red Guardian Shield. Now, if you've seen Black Widow the movie, then you know that's her quote-unquote father. Not biological, though. But they were all criminals, and he helped, you know, raise them for a couple of months. So I guess that was their daddy child. I don't know. Oh, Red Guardian, Captain America's enemy, except he doesn't know that they're enemies. He's kind of like the, the Karen to her Giselle. I don't know. His Giselle. The Nene Leaks to his Kim Zosiak Beerman, the, the Mary Cosby to his Jen Shaw. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's given what it needs to give. Clint comes across a box, but he gives up searching. The watcher wants to intervene, but remember he can't. That's like his whole shtick, even though he does it all the time in comics. Natasha reminds him and kind of tells us for the first time that they're looking for a code to combat Ultron. We also side note, kind of get another Star Wars reference. The Death Star is mentioned. And we've gotten sprinkles of Star Wars all throughout What If. Tell me you're both owned by Disney without telling me you both owned by Disney. Child, if Luke Skywalker pop his ass up in the multiverse of madness, I'm a holler. Don't let Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, bring his ass around her and become best friends with Baby Groot. Woo! The amount of sales those damn Funko Pops would make, I just want 5%, okay? Anyway, suddenly, Natasha goes looking through the box that Clint literally had just stopped looking through, and she sees the Arnon Zola file, which we all know is the man who became a computer backup. You know, he was a scientist from Winter Soldier and from the first Captain America movie who almost blew Nat and Cap to hell in Winter Soldier. They find out it's an old Hydra base in Siberia is where he's located. Uatu is now hopeful, but as he says he is, Ultron comes crashing through the mirror dimension yelling, I found you, I found you. Uatu tries to plead with him, but to no avail. Ultron, you know, he charges, and we end up cutting back. We don't get to see the full fight scene yet. We cut back to Clint and Nat now in Siberia. We're reminded that Zola uploaded his brain like in a series of data banks across computers. She even refer, you know, refers to the one that I mentioned earlier in Lehigh in New Jersey, you know, the one that he blew all to hell. Remember, in the timeline, Captain America Winter Soldier, the events of that movie take place before Age of Ultron, 2014 as opposed to 2015. So it all kind of, you know, keeps in theme. They awaken Zola, and the first thing we find out is that Clint's middle name is Francis. Clinton Francis Barden. Just, well, I mean, I feel like we probably knew that from comics, but I didn't. <laughs> and I don't think I wanted to know, to be quite honest with you. They bring Zola up to speed, and Zola assumes they want him to kind of infiltrate Ultron's code and dismantle him from the inside out, which we know he can do. When Zola acts like he doesn't want to do it, Clint lets him know that he's the last copy on Earth and that he'll air this bitch out. And by air this bitch out, I mean he'll spill water on the damn computer that Armin Zola is in. They start their plan by prank calling Ultron by ordering a pizza. And Ultron is like, wait, now I know damn well I aired Earth out. Who the hell is this? They don't say nothing. They hang up the phone. They transfer Zola... And, you know, they transfer him over to, like, a, a physical 
computer basically after like using that Clint Arrow UPS shit he does. After whooping the Ultron Hive's ass, they upload Zola into one of the Ultron Hive robots. And then they take his legs so that he can't try any funny stuff. Good idea, because motherfuckers will try you if you let them. After they try to stop the rest of the hive, they realize that they can't, and they make a run, or quote-unquote, a climb, for it anyway. This is when we kind of see an alternate version of the events that happened on Vormir in Avengers Endgame. Instead of Natasha sacrificing herself, we see Clint, you know, kind of sacrificing himself, quote-unquote, for the betterment of humanity. And he helps take out the Ultron Hive while he's at it. Natasha narrowly escapes the explosion, but it doesn't keep her from doing the superhero pose that we heard so much about in Black Widow. Child... I can't wait to see Florence Pugh in the Hawkeye series again. I miss my little Midsommar already. Uh, Lelou, Lelou. Why is that? Every time I think of Midsommar, I think about that damn song. I don't know what Lelou. Maybe that, you know that's the one he had to make the baby to, but that ain't that ain't none of my damn business. Okay. When Natasha questioned Zola as to why he couldn't connect to the Ultron Hive, he says he should have been able to, but it appears that Ultron isn't in their quote-unquote observable universe, child. That's because he's in the uh, the mirror dimension giving Uatu the motherfucking blues, okay? And I ain't talking about B.B. King. We see an all-out battle between Ultron and Uatu. While Uatu took a break to, you know, kind of ponder, dummy, Ultron comes and knocks his ass out of the mirror dimension. He knocked his ass. You got knocked the fuck out. He lands on some planet and uh, Ultron kind of clears out the vegetation so that he can see Uatu clearly. He confronts him about never helping people in the past and Uatu said he couldn't do anything but observe. Battle ensues, and now Uatu the Watcher got himself a little piece of gold armor, okay? Y'all remember that gold outfit that Beyonce wore to perform Get Me Body at the BET Awards way back in the day? Look, that little outfit he had on looked just like that. It was a little piece of, you know, like, C, you know, what is a C-3PO, which makes a lot of sense since what? Disney owns Star Wars, I'm just saying. What if basically references Star Wars any damn chance they get? So maybe it is a C-3PO reference. Maybe it's a Beyonce reference. I mean, she got a big deal with Disney too, hell. Maybe it's all just in the family. I don't damn know. It's not my business, people, okay? The actual battle is cool as fuck because they're like constantly crashing through glass or mirror dimension walls. And the background or atmosphere or location, whatever you want to call it, it keeps changing. The coolest thing about this is that when Ultron knocks Uatu onto a planet, he consumes the planet and he looks just like Galactus. And I don't know if this is supposed to be a nod to Galactus. I don't know if Marvel has combined characters. You know, they do that. They're notorious for doing that. But I doubt they would do that with a character as big as Galactus. But I literally, like, it, it made me pause a minute. I was like, oh, shit, is. Is super-powered Ultron working with Galactus? I didn't know what was happening. I had to pause for a minute and say, like, wait a damn minute. Uatu is knocked to Earth, and a lot is happening in the background of this scene. Steve Rogers is, like, taking an oath uh, on a mega screen in Times Square. I'm assuming it's Times Square. 
and uh, he's becoming president. Now, this actually is in keeping with the comics. We've seen this in comics before. Steve Rogers, president, nothing new. Ultron gives a speech about Uatu basically being a voyeur. <laughs> then punches the shit out of him. Every time he punches him, the landscape changes. First they're in Wakanda, then they're wherever the skulls uh, like currently are, or were at that time, I guess. Then everywhere else, like they were everywhere. He kicks his ass. Just as Ultron has his head and is about to squeeze him to death, like you can see cracks and everything forming, Uatu gets the strength and punches him, kind of like back kicks and then frees himself and flees. I don't blame you. He goes to the, the like mirror dimension. Well, I don't know if it's the mirror dimension or the dark dimension. He's somewhere, though, wherever Doctor Strange was uh, at the end of episode four. They agree. <laughs> they agree to kind of help each other after a little bit of, you know, jabbing and banter so that they can stop Ultron. So now we've kind of set up the version of the Avengers that we're going to see in the finale. And it's all been leading up to this. This was a fantastic episode, and I cannot wait to see how this ends. I can't wait to see if we get a post credit scene in the finale. I want it all. I can't wait to see what happens. Y'all, I'll be back same time. Well, earlier next week. Don't know movie coming out next week, but I'll be back. We're going to talk about that finale. We need to do something special because What If was off the chain. I enjoyed it. I loved the hell out of it, and I'll see y'all then. See ya. through that entire episode well aren't you special you deserve a treat why don't you head on over to apple Podcasts or stitcher or Podchaser or Castbox and leave me a five-star rating and review for free need to contact me email me at realitycomics2 at gmail.com make sure you follow me on instagram for hilarious memes and up-to-date information about the podcast that's at Reality Comics 2, T-O-O. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.